ready. For a live and uncut broadcast, all about the post 2.0 web, where you are a part of the conversation. You're listening to the Beyond Tweeting Podcast. And now, here's your host, David V. Kimball. Hello and welcome social media practitioners. This is David. I'm back. Here to talk about best practices in the post 2.0 web. We're live on Blab. That's right. The list is significantly shorter than before. I am doubling down, or in this case, like quadrupling down on what I'm doing for the show. So the first phase of the experiment is now over, and I'm now ready to focus on what gains gets traction and and just what is going to work out for what's going on in my life right now. So um, with this new job and all, I'll be recording a little bit more sporadically, but I'm still planning on doing one a week, whether it's five minutes or half an hour or an hour. And I'm actually planning on making these shows shorter overall. One, because I find retention is just more significant when you have shorter shows, but I still want guests on too. So those will be a little bit longer. And I have a few guests lined up in the future that I'm going to be excited to announce. So uh, they'll be coming eventually. But for now, let's get right into the content, which is managing your digital presence. Now, that includes on the web, uh, on your PC, on your phone, on any of the devices that you're using. And I thought it'd be fun to sort of blend tech and social into one gala show, which is today's. So I'm going to start off by saying, basically, to access the web, you you're required to use a device of some sort, whether it's your mobile device or a PC, a laptop, a tablet. For now, it's not embedded in our brains, so you do need this sort of middleman to get to social media, and that is technology for the most part, electronic, more specifically, digital technology. And so it's best to know what you're doing and manage it correctly while you're on it. So the first thing I'm going to say is back up, back up, back up your data. And this doesn't relate too much to social media, but I'm talking about, you know, let's say if your if your PC shut off right now, what would you do? How would you recover? Always be thinking about that. In fact, now with so many free cloud solutions, what I would do is back up your most important data on a cloud, like your Dropbox or OneDrive, which you can get many gigabytes for free, especially on OneDrive, and also have a local backup. So for example, have like a buy a hard drive. And again, this will depend on how much d- data you have, because a lot of it is based on cloud now. But I do recommend having a local copy and a uh, as well as a cloud copy. Kapalui on Blab is saying all this stuff is on OneDrive. Always back up. I could not agree more. Uh, that, that's exactly what I'm talking about. So once everything's sort of backed up and everything's safe, you can really move forward. And again, the reason I say that is because you're not going to anticipate the day when your hard drive fails or when your computer gets stolen. Or, for example, let's say... You know, those two things could happen, certainly. 
Um, but also, like, let's say you're on you're in Dropbox or OneDrive and you accidentally delete everything or something, or you know, something can happen in that way too that you don't anticipate. So that's why it's good to have two forms of backup. Um. So yeah, let's let's uh, that's really important. I cannot emphasize that enough. And again, there's there's methods to back up on almost every device out there. Um, OS X has Time Machine. Windows has Windows Backup and Restore. Although I personally use a program called SyncToy, which is really great. It basically mirrors certain folder hierarchies to an external hard drive, and it does it really quickly. It's amazing. Uh, so I use Sync again. That's SyncToy for Windows, and then for your mobile devices, Windows Phone has an amazing backup uh, uh, deal where it remembers all the apps you have installed. It remembers the configuration of your start screen, and it loads your profiles. It's really convenient. And I know iOS and Android have ways to backup as well. And that might mean moving content from your mobile device either to the cloud, whether it's OneDrive or iCloud or uh, Google Drive, or to your PC. Honestly, I find that what I like to do the best to, uh, with my photos, for example, is I take my photos from my mobile device, my Lumia 1520, and I take a cable and I plug the cable into the PC because I find that one, not only is it the most fast option, but also it's, it's the best quality generally. You can adjust your settings on your phone so that you're always uploading the highest quality possible to the cloud. However, that uses data or uses Wi-Fi and is definitely slower. Well, I mean, it depends. It's usually slower. So I just like using it the old-fashioned way. And uh, and that's just the way I roll. But I also have lower quality versions of the photos being uploaded to OneDrive as another backup. And every once in a while, again, I have so much cloud storage that they just give you for free with OneDrive that I don't have to think about this. But if you ever had to run out of space, um, keeping the local versions on your PC, have that be involved in the backup for the local backup process to your external hard drive. And then you can delete the versions in the cloud and then open up more space. So again, be, when you buy a new device or when you think about, I, I'm going I'm to take a ton of pictures with this thing or I'm going to take a lot of video or save a lot of applications, always think about how you can be managing that storage and backing up that data. That is vital. It is important. And too few people don't think about it. I had so many people when I went to university, uh, when I worked in IT my freshman year, come up to me and say, hey, uh, my uh, hard drive failed on my MacBook Pro and uh, all my stuff's gone. What do I do? Uh, and I said, well, do you use Dropbox? And they're like, well, no. Okay, if you're a student and you're listening, I implore you. The papers you're working on, keep them in Dropbox. Text files, Word documents, PowerPoints, those things don't tend to take up a ton of space. So it's not really like you're going to be you know, running out of space if you save your papers on there. But it does mean that if your PC crashes for whatever reason or the hard drive on your on the computer you're using at school failed or whatever, you will have it backed up because you don't want to rewrite those 17 pages in three days that took you a week to write. Okay, so with that being said, I'm going to move on. But again, that's super important. Back up your data. I'm going to say it again. The next thing is passwords. Passwords are an epidemic. People hate passwords. But but again, for, before you hate on passwords and this turns into a hating on password fest, remember what passwords allow you to do. 
having a username and a password allows remote access from anywhere. That is an advantage, not a disadvantage. So please stop resenting passwords. I'm going to say for one thing, they're a necessary evil, but they're not even really an evil if you manage them correctly. Um, So this is what I would say. One, create secure passwords, right? Like, this is what I do, and I'm extra careful about my passwords. I have at least a couple of words in there. One is misspelled, random capitalizations, and random characters, and numbers. That's my criteria for a password. So if you want to try guessing mine, good luck. But the idea is if I spell one wrong and I use symbols for the words in my password, if for some reason my password ever to be said aloud, people would still have a tough time signing in. And again, I can't imagine that ever happening, but that's the level of security you need to think about when you make your passwords. Next, consider using a password manager. Like you can use, if you use a Windows phone, there's a great application called Password Padlock, but for iOS and Android, there's tons of great applications as well that can keep track of your passwords and make sure they have, they're downloaded many times and have high reviews because that's very sensitive information. And you wouldn't want to just plug it into any old password app. You want to be certain. You can also use applications like LastPass. Um, but I I don't have a ton of experience with LastPass. And here's another thing. is When you forget your password, you generally can reset it. That's the thing. People come to me in a panic. and like, well, I don't know my password. What am I going to do? Look for the password reset button. There's almost... It's almost one for every single site or service out there. And that will email you a link that you can reset your password and everything will be fine. But at that point, make sure you write it down to record it. And here's another thing. Whenever you change your password, update it when you wherever you write it down or wherever you store it. If you don't update it, it's useless. Far too many times I have people that check their list of passwords and they try it and it doesn't work because it's not up to date. I am telling you, it is imperative that you know your passwords, especially for your important accounts, like your email address, probably one of your most important accounts. Do not forget your email address password. Don't do it. No excuses. Because your email address can get people to your bank account, can get people to your in your high you know high profile social networking sites. It can get to anything pretty much. Anything you have your email connected to. So I cannot emphasize that enough. So moving on from passwords, even though they're important, I'm going to talk about email addresses because people also have a similar relationship with email. I mean, people in the business world don't necessarily. But in general, email has a bad rep, but email is actually a very, very good thing. I love email. And um, and again, it doesn't become a pain when you learn to manage it appropriately. For some, it's, I don't like my email address because I get a bunch of junk. Well, by law, if it's a newsletter, they have to have an opt-out option or an unsubscribe option in their in the body of their email or the footer. So look for that. It'll be there. And once you click opt-out, opt out, sometimes they'll require you to sign in and confirm that you want to unsubscribe. Sometimes they require you to check some boxes. Make sure you read those carefully and then unsubscribe from there. And I guarantee you, once you start doing that and getting into that habit, when you find a, a quote-unquote annoying email that happens to pop up, you're going to find a way less cluttered inbox and a much better experience overall. Uh, 
And again, even that will just make a massive difference. And also, if your email address is something embarrassing, like strawberrypancakes39 or something, there is a way around that if you don't want to switch email accounts. If you use Outlook.com, you can create what's called an email alias. And I've spoken about this on a previous episode. But if you go to settings, add an alias, you can create an alternate email address name like John Doe at Outlook.com that is synonymous with Strawberry Pancakes 27. And no one has to know about Strawberry Pancakes 27 because you can switch your Outlook and even change your primary alias. So anyone that would send you an email to Strawberry Pancakes, you'll still get it. But in the future, when you give your email to people or when you sign up for services, you can use John Doe at Outlook.com. I suggest that once you create an alias, make sure you're aware of them and make sure you're aware of what services you sign up with what. For example, let's say you just created a new alias. Well, think about all the accounts you have are going to be linked to your old alias. And as far as getting emails, that doesn't matter. But when it does matter is signing in. Because if you try to sign in with your new alias, of course, it's not going to work. So remember and compartmentalize. Keep in mind how you're signing into these social networks or your whatever website you use. And then as it relates to your alias. Here's an example of something that I do. So I have a personal email address. That's a Hotmail address. But I also have what's what I consider a, a like business card alias. So if you email me at david at kimball.in, that'll actually forward to my personal email address. But I have filters set up so it segments it. So it puts it in a special folder called kimball.in email. So I don't have a special inbox dedicated to it, but I do have a little folder in my personal email inbox. And the benefit of this is let's say that you just create an alias that you want to kind of post around or you want to like make it open. Well, what tends to happen when you post an email address on the public is tons of spam gets to it, right? Well, let's say that happens with this alias. All you have to do is shut down the alias, delete the alias, and you'll, you'll stop getting the emails. And then you can create a new alias that no one can touch, right? So that's, the, that's another benefit of it if you don't feel comfortable with it. But I would say create two email addresses. Have as many aliases as you need or whatever, but have two actual different email addresses. And the reason I say that is because anymore, people want your email address for everything. And let's be honest, if it's not something you really care about or something that's very important to you, you should have a junk email address that you can send a bunch of stuff to. In fact, what you can do is, if you don't know if you don't trust something, or you don't know if you trust something, Use that secondary email, and then if you check your secondary email ever and you find it is valuable, you can always go into your settings on their website and change your email address back or change it to your personal email. So again, just to briefly recap, you can have email aliases and have at least two email addresses. Uh, that's what I would say about that. If you pair that with your secure and strong passwords, you're, you'll be fine because you'll have access to everything and you won't have to worry about getting hacked. Really quick story about getting hacked. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with EA, uh, Electronic Arts, but they are a gaming company. And recently I purchased a game through them. Well, soon after that, I got an email in my inbox that my account username was changed. And I thought, I didn't change it. And a little bit after that, I got um, here to confirm that you changed your password. Did you, 
if you did not do this, click here. So I'm like, okay, someone got into my account and changed my information. So I clicked the link and it undid the password change. But what they did, and this is what caught me off guard, is for EA, I did not set up security questions. So when I went in to change my password, or no, to change my my username and my stuff back to my account and reset my password, I was not able to because a security question popped up. And the reason why I couldn't answer it is because the person that hacked into my account was a different spoke a different language. I believe it was like, I'm not actually sure what it was. It was it was really strange. Characters I don't recognize. And that was the security question. So of course I couldn't answer that. Even if it was in English, I wouldn't be able to answer it because it's somebody else's security question. So I was able to contact EA support finally after a broken chat. A really bad experience, by the way. I'm not a big fan of EA. I know a lot of gamers are not either. But anyway, I was able to get it all reset. But all that to say, there's a three-parter. If there's two-factor authentication or there are security questions, utilize them because they will be significant roadblocks to hackers trying to get in. Also, if you ever do get hacked, change your password as soon as you can. Because, obviously, if you were to change it, that would make it more difficult for hackers to get in. So yes, it happens to the best of us, but do not shrug off security. Security is vital, especially in an age where you can access everything remotely. That increases the potential for it happening. But it is cool. It's a great benefit, but with some responsibility. So that goes for that. Um, okay, here's another thing, though. If you ever were to use an alias... Uh, to sign up for a social network. Another, th- another a disadvantage would be, a potential disadvantage, would be that people that have you as your old account or a different alias, you wouldn't come up if, let's say people sign up for Twitter and they say, find my friends on Twitter. And they go to, um, they go to twitter.com and they click connect and they say, find my friends and they connect their email address you would not come up because you're using the, they're under your original email, even though your Twitter account is under your alias. So that's another potential disadvantage. Just be aware of that. Although these days, when you sign up for a new social network, your people usually, sometimes they sign in with their social network instead of their email address. So it doesn't matter quite as much now as it did before. That's another thing I would like to say. Sign in with your email address whenever possible. Sometimes they have that little convenient connect with Facebook button. I do not recommend using that. You can connect your social network account after you put your email address in. There's two reasons for that. One, by putting your email address in, you are able to specify password. You're able to specify username and these these little things so that you are aware of what content you're putting in the website. Now, why is that good? Because, well, let's say you use one username on everything like I do, right? Sometimes... Not always anymore, but for a while, when you'd sign up and click connect with Facebook, it would assign you a username based on your display name on Facebook. And maybe they'd add their own thing. So, for example, I have David V. Kimball for everything. Well, when I signed in, let's say I use Facebook and it said, oh, well, his name is David V. Kimball on Facebook. So let's do David-V-Kimball123. And then I can't change the, the username in some cases. Well, if I just signed up with my email, I would be able to specify my own username and and uh, email address. 
So that's the first reason. The second reason is, again, passwords are important, right? And if you're connecting with a social network, they don't always ask, the website doesn't always ask for your own password. They just rely on the connection with your social network. This means if anything were to happen to your social network, you cannot get into your account. So if you do have any accounts that are only connected via Facebook or Twitter, make sure you go in and set passwords up for those accounts. You will want to be able to log in with an email address and a password apart from your social network. That is extremely important. All right, the next thing. This is about more about your brand. That's where I'm going to end. Is I've written on this before is that I really feel people have a like having a brand is important now. Like that's something that you just need these days. And brand can be something as simple as a, you know, a persona, like a consistent, you know, it's kind of hard to explain personal brands really shortly, but basically it's like a personal persona and you drive that persona by consistency. So for example, using the same, either using the same profile picture on everything or using similar kinds of profile pictures that portray you a certain way or using a similar name across everything, like maybe a username or a display name. And that really matters because if people want to identify you and they want to, you know, sort of connect with you, that established identity is going to play a large role in that. So whenever I make a new social network account or new account on a new social network, the first thing I go to after I make sure my username and my email are confirmed and that the, you know, the confirmation link in my email is clicked after all that's done i go into settings and i dig through the settings and the like profile settings so i make sure my profile picture is updated i make sure my bio is written out i have one i usually use and then my web a place for my website and then any other miscellaneous information so usually they'll ask for maybe other social networking links or they'll ask for location and i always put that stuff in two reasons for that one like i said earlier brand consistency it's good to have a complete, actually three reasons. Two, it's good to have a complete profile because when you have an empty profile, people don't take you as seriously. And the third reason is, um, well, I'm totally blanking. See, here's the thing. I'm trying this new method where I'm not writing as many notes down, but when I don't write as many notes, I blank more often. So I have to figure this out. But anyway, all I have to say Putting your information there is important. All right. Now, I'm going to end the shows a little differently. I'm gonna still going to have the social network of the day, but that's really going to be the only consistent part of my ending piece on this show from now on. Because, again, I'm doubling down. I'm cutting out the crap, and I'm just getting down to where I'm just getting down to the meat of it to make the show better for you all. And I've been looking at what you guys gravitate towards and this is the most valuable part and i'll still do impersonations now and then or some off-topic stuff at the end so it's not completely strict or anything but anyway the social network of the day is this.cm and this.cm just opened up to the public and essentially it's share one link a day you get i think i want to say 180 characters maybe of a caption to write along with whatever link you share, it automatically pulls the image from the link you share, and then you can give it a title as well. And you're only allowed one. It's not one per 24 hours. It's like one every day. So at midnight the next day, you can post a link. 
it's really interesting and I'm really excited to see if it takes off and if people start adapting to it. So again, that is this.cm. I believe it's web only right now, so there's no iOS, Android, or Windows application yet. But it's worth checking out. So that just about wraps it up for this episode of the Beyond Tweeting Podcast. Thank you so much for listening, for downloading, and subscribing. For all things Beyond Tweeting, you can visit beyondtweeting.com. The anticlimactic line for this episode is... It's one o'clock. Beyond belief. Beyond all human understanding. And now, beyond our time limits. And so, join David V. Kimball again next time for the Beyond Tweeting Podcast. Podcast.